The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 59 of Yeah, It's That Bad. My name is Joel. I'm Martin. And I'm Kevin. This is a show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are run on Rotten Tomatoes and reevaluate that score. And they really deserve to be that low. Tonight's movie is 2005's Stealth, directed by Rob Cohen, starring Josh Lucas, Jessica Biel, Jamie Foxx, Sam Shepard, Joe Morton, and Richard Roxburgh. Stealth is a 2005 science fiction action film. This movie currently holds a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? In the near future, the Navy develops a fighter jet piloted by an artificial intelligence computer. The jet is placed on an aircraft carrier in the Pacific to learn combat maneuvers from the human pilots aboard. But when the computer develops a mind of its own, it's the humans who are charged with stopping it before it incites a war. That's not... I, I don't think that's what happened in this movie. Okay, stealth. This is the winner of the listener's choice poll. What is your history with this movie? I don't have one. (laughs) I saw the commercials for it, and I remember thinking that this was right after the Ray hype. So I saw Jamie Foxx, and I was like, did he get contractually obligated to this before he won the Oscar? And he had to do it, or was he just trying to make make some cash? But other than that, after... I have no recollection of, of this after that. I just kind of like wiped it from my memory. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailers. I knew this movie existed. I never saw it. <laughs> Those are the good old days. Yeah, same here. I remember seeing the trailers back in 2005 and thinking, wow, this looks awful. I don't ever want to see this movie. Yet here we are. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do what we always do at the top of the show. We'll discuss the actors one by one, and we'll see how you thought they did. First up, Josh Lucas. This guy was trying to act in almost every scene he was in. He was way too forceful with his approach. Like Forceful? I thought he was wooden. <laughs> no, he was like his face. <laughs> he wasn't very pliable or ductile for that matter. Well, he, he was malleable though. Yeah. You could, <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't going through any wires though. You could get hammered into a very thin sheet. <laughs> Josh Lucas, we swap him out for an, a young Dennis Quaid. What do you think? Box office gold. Because it's the same kind of acting style here at work. Oh, I disagree. How so? This guy sucked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay, explain yourself. My natural tendency with this movie is to compare it to Top Gun. That's the reference point, right? That's not fair. How is it not fair? That is what they were going for. It has to be, right? You can't. There's never been a movie that's going to go for what Top Gun went for because it can't be done again. But Top Gun's been, it's done, right? If you make a fighter jet movie after Top Gun, you know what's going to happen. People can compare it just naturally. Top Gun is its own genre of movie. (laughs) There is no other movie like that. I'm going to put my uh, my hand down right here and say that Top Gun is one of a kind. And I don't think that it defines like a fighter jet, you know, genre movie. Well, I'm going to say that in Top Gun, Tom Cruise was cocky <laughs> with charm. This guy is cocky with arrogance. He's totally unlikable. Perfect combo. He's a zealot. <laughs> Kevin, uh, what, he's brazen. Who, who's a sports figure you would equate with those characteristics? He's brash. <sighs> Arrogant. Completely. This guy's outrageous. Monte Ellis. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so far over my head. <laughs> Is that a person? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he plays for the Golden State Warriors. Okay, this the guy... National Basketball Association. Oh, okay. <laughs> this guy was supposed to be dialed up to like a 10 or an 11 in a lot of the scenes that he was in, right? Yeah. He was at a 2, I thought. The whole no, time. no, he was, but he you, terrible. You, you could tell that he was trying to force it out and he just, he didn't have it in him. Next up, making her triumphant return to the show in rare form. She's at the top of her game, Jessica Biel. I didn't think that she could actually act to this poorly. This was worse than when she was on 7th Heaven. And she was like, what, 11 in that show? She was a better child actor than she is right now as, as an adult in this movie. This truly was a piss poor performance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was... <laughs> she didn't seem like she cared. Pin I, me, I, pay me. Yeah, I mean, I, I... Yeah, pin me, pay me. Oh, man, this is gonna be with us for a while, isn't it? Yeah, it just didn't, it didn't seem like she knew what she was doing when she picked this role. She doesn't fit this role well, either. Yeah, why is it about her that I don't believe her in any of the roles she picks. I don't get it. I had an easier time believing Tilda Swinton as an androgynous <laughs> a- angel <laughs> than, than this. I, I would agree with that. Why, why is that? Yeah, it's like 
every time she's on camera, I was like, you know what? No, I don't buy it. I don't, whatever role she's doing, I just don't buy it. I mean, I don't think they did a good job at all of establishing any of these main characters as elite fighters. There was no setup for their characters. We're told in text at the beginning that these are like the three top fighter pilots. Out of the 400 Do that... Do we really see anything that tells us that? They fly in straight lines for the majority of the movie. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of elite fighter pilots, making his triumphant <laughs> return to Yes That Bad yet again. He was in top form. Jamie Foxx. He was horrible in this movie. There was very little to no emoting in his line reading. I don't know why he did this movie. He sleepwalked through this whole thing. Just give me that paycheck. I mean, it's totally a one-dimensional character. There was nothing for him to do with this. And again, a charismatic person, charismatic actor, put in a, t- a totally boring role. Like, what's the point? Is this two for two? Was Jimmy Fox in any other movies we've done so far? No, just Valentine's Day. Yeah, the two of them. Like, yeah. we, we had... So yeah, so we ran into Jamie Fox and Jessica Biel back in Valentine's Day. They were awful in that. I would say they were worse in this because we had more screen time <laughs> in this one. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. though, like, you probably could get a lot of movies that are really poor. And because we've seen Valentine's Day, we could say, oh, triumphant return. Because Val- <laughs> Valentine's Day had 70 actors in it, 70, 80 actors in it. Yeah. High high profile actors. Yeah, well, they made that choice. That's on them. All right. Fair enough. They have to live with those consequences for the rest of their lives. Okay, next up, making his triumphant return <laughs> to Yes, I bet. This is the guy I actually am happy to see again. Richard Roxburgh. Remember him, Kevin? Yes, I do. Oh, who was he? In was the past. In uh, Van Helsing. He was Sir Dracula. His acting was so <laughs> bad in this. Am I off base here? No. No, not at all. He was terrible. Like, I thought Dracula was bad. <laughs> this is horrible. I'm going to still say Dracula's worse. Really? No, no, no. Really? This, I don't this, know. This was worse. Because Dracula has like kind of song, sing-songy emoting of lines. It, it, In this, it's just awful line reading. Awful reads. line reading. Ex- stupid faces. Dracula has some kind of personality. It's like, did an emo dance. Yeah. It but. wasn't Jamie Foxx in the, uh, you did Law Abiding Citizen, didn't you? <gasps> oh, man, you're Ooh, right. Oh, good one. He was great in that. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Fantastic. Oh, that's a good movie. We should watch that again. There's one more person I want to talk about, and he's not even listed in the credits here, but he's worthy of note. The voice of the killer jet plane was played by Wentworth Miller from Prison Break fame. How'd you think he did as a computerized AI. Bad. <laughs> Dude, he didn't sound like a like a robot. It didn't. It sounded like a guy pretending to be a robot. Like, I am a robot. That's exactly how he was talking in this movie. I don't know that he can blame him 100% though, right? Like, they manipulated his voice. It sounded like Nick Swartzen, the uh, comedian yeah. that emulates robot no- like voices constantly. He was in Grandma's Boy. That's not just him, right? They manipulated his voice. Not enough. I don't know how much was them screwing with I it. I don't know, man. And, like, I could hear him clearly through all that stuff. Yeah. And the way he was saying his lines, you were trying to kill me, like that, it was not good. This wasn't sounds, kosher. Sounds like Waspinator from Beast Wars. You've got too far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. Can we just paint a broad brush over everybody and say that they were all garbage? Yeah, terrible acting. From top to bottom, right? There was no one, not a single soul in this movie acted, right? Yes, I would agree. No, I'm going to say that the commander of the aircraft carrier was acting. Okay, yes. I forgot about him. He was the guy from Terminator 2. Yeah. He was he was acting. Really. Not enough. Not not enough, but he was trying to. He was overcome. There was nothing <laughs> he could do. He was one man who's up against an army of bad actors. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the history of stealth. In all the American advertising for the film, Jamie Foxx got top billing, but in all the Japanese advertising, Josh Lucas got top billing. Mm. That's interesting. In March 2005, Leo Stoller, who claims to own the trademark rights to the word stealth. <laughs> can you do that? I don't think you can do that. He served Columbia Pictures with a cease and desist letter threatening litigation if they did not rename the film to something non-infringing. Columbia responded with a lawsuit, which is not registered in any category remotely similar to motion pictures. The Environmental Defenders Office, a community legal center specializing in environmental law, successfully represented the Blue Mountains Conservation Society, Incorporated, in its attempts to prevent film 
filming of stealth in the gross wilderness area of the Blue Mountains National Park at New South Wales, Australia in May 2004. The film cost $135 million to produce, which does not include advertising costs. It ended up making a total worldwide gross of how much worldwide? $36 million. Ooh, I, uh, uh, $45. Wow, you're both way off. $76 million, making it the biggest money loser in a series of financial failures released by Columbia in 2005 and one of the biggest losses in cinematic history. As a marketing gimmick to try to gain back losses through home video sales, the UMD version of the film for the PSP includes three stages of the video game Wipeout Pure with a Talon Jet playable in the game. That sounds really stupid. I hope they didn't sell any movies that way. <laughs> <laughs> this movie starts out with the Columbia Pictures logo fading into the clouds as their brand fades into obscurity with this movie. <laughs> That's great. And we're treated to what is the premise of this movie in text form. Really, really difficult to read light gray text over gray white clouds. I hate this as a movie making thing. I hate it. I hate having to read what this world is that we're going to be shown. Why don't you just show it to me instead of having me to sit there and read text? If I wanted to read text, I'd read a book. You don't read books. That's true. (laughs) I can neither read nor write. It's a well-known fact about me. <laughs> he can. He chooses not to. Yeah. He's illiterate. Okay, so the premise of this movie is that hundreds of elite fighter pilots in the Navy are trying to get into this program to fly a secret, state-of-the-art plane called the Talon, and only three made it. And it opens up with, I believe, is a training exercise somewhere in the desert. But it doesn't really make much sense to me because they're really firing missiles at them, and they're really firing, like, 50-millimeter anti-aircraft rounds at these planes. Well, this is where the Top Gun comparison comes in again, right? Like, they're doing training missions and fighter jets. Yeah. And here's the difference, though. Like Martin said, they're shooting actual live rounds, machine guns, missiles. How much do one of these planes cost? And then, let's say that they do eject. Like, there's a chance that they're not gonna survive that. Yeah, I mean, this is Why would you train all these people, waste all this money, and then start firing SAMs at them? This isn't Top Gun, where you are flying around and getting experienced flying if you crash in that situation, like that, that's just a natural risk, right? This is shooting at them. This makes no sense. Why the hell would anyone train like this? After the training exercise, they sit down, and this is when we're actually treated to the anti-acting, you know, meeting of minds, I guess. They all got together, decided not to act. They're all sitting down at a round... It's kind of like a roundtable discussion where they're all going to see who can act less. So they're essentially explaining that there is a secret fourth member of the crew, and Jamie Foxx has this whole spiel about how three's a magic number, three's a whatever. <laughs> it's a three, prime number. Three's the best. Luck. Triple triad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three's... Three's yeah. company? Yeah, three's company too. I, Menage a trois, they threw that in there. Yeah, a lot of really, really poor script writing. Piss and poor. Yeah, piss poor script writing perpetrated by the <laughs> penners of the... <laughs> Screenplay portfolio, yes, yeah, yeah. So after they had this meeting, they go to a rave for oh reasons completely unknown. I, I guess it's supposed to be shore leave, but they were in a desert, so it's not like they were stuck on a ship. But anyway, they're at a rave. I don't understand this at all. Nothing happens in this. We can agree that there is very little story to. I actually feel as if every other onto. movie we watch on this show, there's like a rave, or they go to a club, or there's it, a masquerade, or, or the masquerade ball. Like <laughs> this movie really could have used a masquerade ball. Yeah, Fidelio. <laughs> there's a cut scene to them being on an aircraft carrier. It's like very jarring and it's pretty cool. Aircraft carriers are pretty cool looking. Yeah, I wasn't impressed. No, this was It was a real like, thing though. It was a real deal. Yeah, that was it a was, real aircraft carrier. I didn't hear Kenny Loggins. Oh, yeah, really? you were you craving. Just I wanted to enter the danger zone. It wasn't there. So again, I'm going to compare it, right? So we have this scene early on in the movie where the people are at a bar. We're getting to know them as people, not as soldiers. In Top Gun, you cared about the people, right? You learned about them as characters? Like, you've got some kind of investment? Do you care at all about these people at this point in this movie? No. I don't, no, I don't no. even remember what the hell they were doing. Like, I don't understand. The, there was no there was no point to that scene of them in the bar or the rave. Like, they didn't make them human characters that I connected with in, in any way. I'm gonna put this down right now. This movie could have been 20 minutes long. Oh, yeah. And you would have got the exact same thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is it the writing? Like, is it the script? Or is it the acting? Both. More the writing, though. Yeah, because the, the story could have progressed without 
about the acting at, this, at, at a much, much, much faster pace. They were adding these writing techniques to build characters or build identities around these characters and, and into relationships that's going to make you care about them. But they, they just didn't do it. They just put the scenes in there without any of that interrelationship between these these actors. They were cardboard cutouts, the people in this movie. Right. Cliché. Oh, boring. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It really could have been anybody, right? They could have been any Joe Schmo off the street. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, so we go back to the aircraft carrier and we get, I guess this is the stereotypical Navy aircraft carrier slow-mo shot. Oh, yeah, classic. Mm-hmm. Armageddon, Top Gun. Anytime there's guys flying something, they all got to walk in a line in slow motion. How out of place? I think G.I. Joe had one too, probably. Probably. Also, okay, so this is around the point in the movie where we come to find out what the hell is going on, which by the way, this takes a long time uh-huh. to get to the point when we find out what the hell is going on. I would say a good 20 minutes. Everything in this movie takes a long time. So here's what the plot of this movie is. The Navy has developed a hyper-advanced artificial intelligence plane. Using quantum computing. Yes, of course. Whatever that means. And the plane is coming to be tested here at their aircraft carrier. And the way they set it up is they tell them, like, you're going to have a fourth wingman. But they don't tell them that it's a machine. We think it's a person. Mm-hmm. And then it shows up, and it turns out to be a robo-plane. Great. But it has a cockpit, which is really weird. I, I, I didn't understand that. Yeah, they made a big point about that. It's like, why does he have a cockpit if there's if it's a machine? So I guess they were expecting people like Martin and Kevin to nitpick it like crazy. So they, <laughs> they put some fail-safes in the script. <laughs> so right away, this premise makes no sense. Why is that? You're going to have this brand new, state-of-the-art plane have its first test run, right? Mm-hmm. Alongside actual... People. People. And the night before you tell the people that this thing exists and you brief them on it. If you're the person who's behind this and you want it to succeed, wouldn't you have them like train for this specifically? No, they want them to be completely unprepared, really freaked out, <laughs> terrified of this thing. <laughs> they give them these giant books and they're like, study up for tomorrow. <laughs> and then they treat us to the, you know, everyone's version of studying in this bizarre oh. montage with music that I, I'm going to be honest, does not fit. No. At all. Not at all. The music is a total distraction in this movie. Jessica Biel is listening to Incubus, first of many, many, many Incubus songs in this movie. Incubus should have been in the cast. They should have been flying the plane. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, the mustache mystics should have been painted on the (laughs) stealth. <laughs> the real exciting thing is what Josh Hartnett, what the hell's his name? Lucas. Josh Lucas. What Josh Lucas is listening to. I don't remember what he was listening to. I have no to. idea. How to save to. a life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you believe that? No, that was crazy. From Valentine's Day to this. Yep. Hey, just out of curiosity, the cliches were like outrageous in this movie. Were they going Michael Bay level? Was that what they wanted? I thought this movie was trying to be Michael Bay style. Oh, yeah. Really hard. They yeah. wanted to make a Michael Bay movie. If there's bullet points of how to make a Michael Bay movie, they tried to hit them all. They, they failed. failed. They failed every time, but they tried. Yeah. Kevin, you said it best. You were like, you wish this was a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, because at least it would have been over the top. Like, there would have been something to keep my attention. So they're about to run their first test flight, and the guy who's in charge of this, the, the fighter pilots, is meeting with the commander of the ship. The commander of the ship is voicing his concerns, and we have a standard cliche situation where <laughs> the, the guy who's running the test flight, he's like, nothing could possibly go wrong. It's just like in every movie that's like this. Right before they finish briefing them, though, like if we go back before they actually have to start studying the plane, they explain what the plane is, and it's different than the other three planes that the humans are flying. They're like, it's indestructible, it's got more weapons, it's better than all the planes you have, mm-hmm. but don't worry, <laughs> nothing can go wrong. <laughs> Let me ask you this question, and this is something that's inherent in all these movies. The, this is what the basic undercurrent of this movie is. There's a very strong anti-technology, anti-science stance in these kind of plots. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this sort of thing? Anti-science sort of stance. I'm a Luddite. I don't even like using this microphone. Yeah, printing presses. You, yeah. you go around and smash them whenever you see I, them. I do. I mean, I could understand that anti-technology spin on movies from like the 50s and 60s when this kind of stuff was new and scary to a certain extent. Yes. But we've been living with this for decades now. Like, technology is completely entwined in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing to fear anymore. (laughs) Do you fear your iPod? Constantly. (laughs) Constant fear. I I always make sure my iPod is off before I go to sleep. (laughs) 
often locked in a lead box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just there's no grounds for this anymore. We're over this as a society. They're doing these t the tests on this completely unproven artificial intelligence plane, and all of a sudden, on a whim, they're like, "Oh, guess what? Cease the test. You're being sent on a real mission in the middle of the test. Mm -hmm. What the hell's going on here? What are they confident that this thing's perfect? They're just gonna send it into an extremely populated area in a foreign country to just wreak havoc. Okay, so they're sent on this mission and they are in America when they're training, I think. They and, were in Nevada when they were originally training. And then they're sent off in the middle of this mission to the other side of the planet. By the way, this movie was directed by the guy who did Fast and the Furious and it shows during this scene because all three of the fighter pilots that hit the NOS on their fighter jets <laughs> <laughs> and they go through light speed to this place, right? Uh -huh. I mean, yeah, they're in new experimental jets, but... Hypersonic. Joel Joel is not exaggerating. Space and light was it was actually bending around their planes. Uh -huh. You know, I have an easier chance buying that, that they're in super fast planes, than I do buying the fact that there's a hyper-intelligent computer that's talking and sure. cracking jokes and doing all this other crap. You know? Yeah, I agree. So they go to the other side of the, of the planet. That's not an exaggeration. No, it's not. It's probably like 10,000 miles. They're there to do this mission to drop up a, a bunker buster in the middle, in the middle of, of a city. Yeah, a city. On like a skyscraper. Full, of, and it's completely surrounded by, Where by civilians. Where everyone can see it. Completely yeah. surrounded by civilians. This isn't an invisible jet, you know, people can see it and hear it. Yeah, this, despite the misleading title of stealth. There's nothing stealth about these things. Stealth is never used. They should have just dropped the name in that lawsuit. They're like, yeah, you know what, you're right. There's no stealth bombers in this. <laughs> No one's quiet. The plan here is to drop this bomb on this building. But at the height that they're at, there isn't enough altitude for the bomb to penetrate the earth. So the great idea they, they cook up is that they fly the plane all the way up into outer space. <laughs> they turn back around and they, they literally dive bomb down towards the building, mm -hmm. let go of the bomb, then pull up. Extremely dangerous maneuver because when you go that fast, a human being will pass out. And this is all against orders. Yes. I think... I think the, the exact quote was, the missile can penetrate the building and get deep enough underground to destroy the structure if you're doing 27,000 knots? Million. 27 trillion knots. <laughs> <laughs> Way faster than the speed of light. Instead of having a weak, weak, weak man drop this bomb, they decide to send the robot to do it, which is the most logical thing to do, right? Send, yeah. Send the robot to do it, because according to the commander, you know, there's no blood in that silicon brain. What the hell did he say? Some stupid crap. He says something like... Cyber blood or... The cyber, the cyber veins are not going <laughs> to... Whatever. He was implying that this thing is not going to be affected by the G's of this maneuver. And he's right. He's one billion percent right. Yep. They should have sent the robot to do it. Uh -huh. But instead, cocky Josh uh, Hartnett. Lucas, uh, what's do, the matter with you? To do a melt. <laughs> <laughs> they sent him in to do it. Josh. What? <laughs> Josh Lucas. Oh my. <laughs> he's so forgettable. <laughs> so Josh Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> what is his name? Josh Lucas. <laughs> I don't ever want to see this guy again. <laughs> I would tell you to use his character's name, but I have no idea what it was. So <laughs> So Joshua decides it's up to him to take charge. He's like, screw this. I'm the big man on campus. I'm going to do this myself. His commander says, listen, buddy, this is a direct order. Stand down, my friend. You stand down right now. You let that robot do it, all right? Get out of here. But what does he do? Spits in his face. Yeah, he spits in his face across the planet. Metaphorically. Metaphysically. <laughs> Metaphysical spit. <laughs> yeah. Him in his soul. <laughs> yeah, he starts... He's <laughs> Hit him in his mind's eye. <laughs> I gotta clean it off. I gotta wipe his third eye off. He does this maneuver where he goes 27 trillion miles an hour, gets the <laughs> missile into the... It, into the building, it explodes, and the building just collapses in on itself in the middle of, like, a very populated metropolitan city. They specifically said that they were trying to implode the building. Like, Red and Stimpy, they were trying to implode <laughs> it. Do we have, do, do we have like, weapons that, that generate black holes? Like, I, what kind of missile is this? It did what? It takes demolition crews probably weeks to set up. Months to set up. Right? And she does it, like, Perfect. Like, like Perfect. snap of a finger. The house of cards, it collapsed. Yeah. 
yeah. Okay, so he's still going 27 trillion miles an hour towards the Earth, and he's about to bury himself. So at the last second, he pulls up on the throttle, and this is when you get the, you know, fast and the furious, everything gets blurry, and he is, I guess, flying through traffic. Yeah. And he kind of blacks out, kind of doesn't, and he comes to and he, yeah, he, he saves the day. I gotta admit, this is probably the most interesting visual in the whole movie when this part happens. It is so stupid. He blacks out while driving a fighter jet? Are you kidding me? Going uh, 7 billion miles you, you an can't, hour. You, you can't blink going that fast driving one of those things. And he blacks out and nothing happens. Yeah, that was absurd. Which, by the way, is exactly what they warned him was going to happen. And it happened. And yeah. scot-free, there's no consequences. Yeah, no consequences whatsoever. No court-martial, nothing. Well, he actually, non-immediate. I guess his commanding officer says, you can't do stuff like that. It's dangerous. And he says, whoa, I did it, didn't I? You're right. And that was some great flying, but don't do it again. Lesson learned, I, I, I guess. These characters are so one-dimensional, and they're saying just boring things to each other. <laughs> We're then immediately treated to the next scene where they're on another mission, again, with this unmanned air, AI aircraft, and it does something that is so unbelievable technologically that I it starts scanning enemies, mm-hmm. and as it's doing this, it's, it's getting retinal scans. It is really far away, flying at, I don't know, Mach 6, so it's it's got to be hundreds of miles away. They were like in low Earth orbit, and they went a million miles an they hour. Were, and, and they're scanning their faces. It looks like, this This isn't an exaggeration, it looks like I have a telescope and I'm looking at my neighbor. <laughs> That's how well you can see these people. And not only does it scan their retina, it starts scanning their fingerprints. How is it doing that? You can't see fingerprints on a wall. That's what is happening in this movie. (laughs) I can only imagine it's reading the heat signature. What? Of his fingerprints? I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that's the only thing it possibly could be, right? Okay, so after this plane is scanning everybody for, uh, you know, possible, I guess, dangers or identity, it's trying to ID terrorists. Mm-hmm. I guess it figures out that these are bad people. These are the targets that it needs to destroy and uh, wipes them out. Yeah, he starts bombing the hell out of some town, right? <laughs> <laughs> like there's like innocent people running for their lives. Yeah, but I don't. Well, first there was like a castle. Yeah, it... which was really strange. It was, like a medieval castle. I'm not, I'm, I'm not even sure exactly what's happening. Was there a yoke of oxen pulling nuclear warheads? Yeah, there were actually. I forgot about that part. Oh, by the way, we didn't even mention why the plane goes rogue. He got hit by a lightning bolt. On the way back from its first mission, this plane gets struck by lightning. And when they get it back into the ship, the tech starts to disassemble the computer. Keep in mind, during the scene when it gets hit by lightning, something really strange happened. It shows... Super, like, super strange. It shows like a double helix, like you would see on a human being's genome, like the way that a D, like D, DNA is structured. Yep. And it's getting zapped electrically. This is never brought up ever again in this entire movie. Digital ever. DNA. Bio-digital jazz, man. I guess, I guess it's... Isomorphic algorithms. I guess it's bio-digital jazz, but it's insinuating that this is something that is genetically engineered. Or is it not? Is that is that program? Like, I, I what is that? Is this shit part man? Part machine? It's clearly just something they threw in there, like, design-wise. Artificially just to look cool, I guess, they thought? I don't know. It's more confusing than anything. Okay, after this, we're treated to a totally forgettable 30-minute scene where they go in Thailand. (laughs) Totally forgettable. And the entire point of this, I think, was to get Jessica Biel into a bathing suit. Oh, For sure. What the hell? We have this really long sequence of events where they're like, you guys are in some R&R. Take it. This has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. None. Nope. Pointless. Totally pointless. We get these random shots of Thailand, them wandering around this place. It was just a big set up to get Jessica Biel in a bikini. You know, I'm not complaining. Yeah, I don't mind, but... This was the highlight of this movie. It really didn't belong in this plot. I'm grateful for it to break up the monotony, but like, Kevin, you had the, the right theory about this. Like, They did this just so they could put that scene in the trailer to yep. get to trick people to see this thing. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. They did get Josh to admit that he was falling hard for Jessica Biel, though, in this, uh, in this little... Yeah, supposedly he his feelings for who cares <laughs> but she's the poster girl for the navy yeah it'll it'll ruin her life if, if he professes his love for her and they care about each other uh, how is that even possible i don't get it you want to elaborate on that yeah what do 
you mean? I don't get it. That he loves her? Or yeah, that, well, what's love? I'm not, or wait, no, wait. No, like, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, who cares if he likes her? So what? They have really strict policies about officers fraternizing with each other. I know that's a real thing, mm-hmm. but who's going to know? They're in Thailand. At this point, nothing has really happened, right? Nothing of consequence? No, no. And it feels like this movie's been going on for three hours. I thought it was would have been over an hour at this point, and we weren't even close to a full hour yet. This movie went on forever. For a movie that's supposed to be about an unmanned computer jet plane gone rogue, that's only like maybe 20% of this movie? Yeah, I was shocked. That thing should have gone crazy way, way sooner. Again, this is another thing, right? It doesn't show up till an hour in. <laughs> it doesn't go rogue until we're an hour into this movie. Yeah, the mummy jumps into the cockpit, starts flying the plane around. <laughs> and uh, That would have been so much more interesting. <laughs> what's weird is that like when it went rogue, it kind of really, it really didn't go rogue. It's learning from the other pilots. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, it's not really a twist. That's what it was programmed to do. I'm going to even say, what was the point of the lightning strike? It didn't do anything. It didn't change its behavior. It was going to do that anyway. Like they, they make it like it's this Frankenstein situation where the lightning hits it and it becomes something different, but that didn't matter. The whole point was that this thing learned how to act from observing the other From Josh being, a, being an ass. Yeah. So how was the point of that? There, there was no point. It was completely idiotic. There's all these weird plot devices that serve no purpose in this movie. Okay, so the plane goes rogue, disobeys orders, blows up this castle that has nuclear warheads in it that were pulled there by oxen. Really weird. There's this rampant cliche in Hollywood. Whenever you show like a foreign country and something sad or bad happens, they have to play this exact chanting music. Like, oh, stop. Enough with this. It's so out of place in this goofball movie. All the music is in this movie. What's the matter? You don't like Incubus? Yeah, back when I was in high school. I think I got a lifetime's worth of Incubus Mm -hmm. in this movie. Yeah, They played Incubus eight or nine times in this movie. Easily. They even made it a plot point. They're like, oh, the computer is downloading all the music off the internet. Which consists only of Incubus Incubus songs. (laughs) What a stupid use of, like, hard drive space. (laughs) Right? Like, why, why would they let it do? that. I don't know. It was like kind of doing it on, on its own, wasn't it? Why would it even want to? <laughs> it's a fighting computer. Yeah, why does it care? It doesn't it's listen to music. music. <laughs> It's a, lover, it's a lover of the arts. It's just like zeros and ones to it, right? Does it really matter? The plane goes rogue. It then starts, I guess, trying to find other targets. Jamie Foxx has to try and stop it. He follows it in a really hot pursuit. <laughs> Need for Speed 3, Hot Pursuit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, well, they're, they're under orders, right, by the commander. To stop to it. To bring it back. Yeah, they're like, you bring that plane back in. How? What, With yeah. like a net? Like, well, how are they going to get it back? <laughs> you're supposed to talk it back? It's a sentient killing machine. There's supposed to reason with the computer. It's so stupid. Jamie Foxx just totally pile drives his plane into this granite <laughs> mountain. This Comical looking. It was hilarious. It looks like somebody was jamming a Twinkie onto the side of a wall. You could pick, it's just like, <laughs> just fire coming out. I felt nothing. <laughs> I felt less than nothing. It was cold. No, seriously, everybody just had blank stares when it was, like, I, I was looking at everybody while we were watching this movie, we just had blank stares as we're watching this plane explode and Jamie Foxx die in a fiery yeah. inferno of doom. I looked like I had palsy. That's how much I wasn't emoting while I was watching this. Well, it was such an unceremonious death, right? Like, in a way, I thought we were going to see him in his parachute somewhere because he didn't make a big deal about it. I wrote Jamie Foxx is dead. I feel nothing. It felt happy. It's one of my notes. Wow, this is where my notes just start drying up. And then after this, I have, I, I guess Jessica Biel flies through the debris of Jamie Foxx's crashed plane and her plane becomes damaged. Yeah, so we, now we get this whole ridiculously pointless subplot of Jessica Biel being stranded behind enemy lines. Yeah, so Jessica Biel is trapped in, in foreign territory, but who cares? I mean, really, who cares? It doesn't matter. I thought we were watching the killer fighter jet movie. So their master plan is to let the fighter jet run out of fuel, so it just crashes. Either way, problem solved. Well, unlucky for us, we have this automated 
naked floating Zeppelin gas fortress in the sky. Apparently over enemy territory. Yeah, it's just there. It's a refueling depot. But it's in like outer space, right? Yeah, it looks like a spaceship and I assume it's fully automated. I don't know. And the fighter jet goes to dock with it. Like it, it drops its hose for them to refuel. It refuses to give the fighter jet any fuel. So the fighter jet gets a really bright idea. It cranks up the incubus and then <laughs> <laughs> it fires off its machine guns at the nozzle, blowing the tip off. But not igniting the jet fuel. No, so it shoots jet fuel with <laughs> raging hot bullets and nothing happens. It just blows the end of the nozzle off. So now fuel is just spilling everywhere, like running out of a hose. But then it immediately turns into like a gas and just kind of hovers around this orbital. It's like a poison fart cloud. Yeah, that's actually just like G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra, another green fart cloud in a movie we were reviewing. Great. But but it's liquid, right? Yeah. Until it gets out of the hose. Well, okay. How about this? It's really cold up there. And it freezes into ice. I don't think they're as high as you think they were. (laughs) Did you see where the explosion took place? I don't care where the explosion took (laughs) place. I saw this thing. It was blue skies all around. Eventually, uh, our boy Josh shows up. They get into a little firefight with the the fighter plane. And somehow, someway, this ring of gas that's just been hovering in the sky for an hour. Why did it form a ring? Is it orbiting around (laughs) this gas station? Yes. It's in outer space. The gas explodes. I just started laughing. I started cackling like a demon because it looks so bad and so dumb the way this fire was just flying around in the air. And then they cut to a shot to outer space in the Earth. It looked like a nuclear explosion. (laughs) A billion megaton explosion went off. If anyone's seen a Discovery Channel special where they show a recreation of the asteroid that impacted the Earth and killed the dinosaurs. Yes. It looked like that. Yeah, it looked just like that. Oh my gosh. Which is why I'm saying this thing was in outer space. This is the point in the movie where I said, how much more of this tripe do we have to watch? So I clicked the handy dandy display button on the VCR. <laughs> the VCR. <laughs> VCR, your beta bags. <laughs> yeah, my, <laughs> my laser disc. Yeah, so I checked how much time was left in the movie, which by the way, I, I think we can all agree that's the, the death knell of any movie. Oh yeah. If we have to check how much time is left, then the movie is just worthless, right? Yeah. It's an automatic two or one star. Uh-huh. Automatic. So I checked how much time is left. There were 50 minutes left. This is like Valentine's Day all over again. What the hell is going on in this movie? This stupid thing with the exploding gas, that should have happened 30 minutes in. 20 minutes in, the plane goes rogue. Then he blows up the gas station. Then he goes on a uh, killing spree or whatever. There's your movie. Yeah, I completely agree. Two hours is absurd for the movie that they wrote. Martin is right. This is a 10 to 15 minute YouTube video padded out. Out mm-hmm. to an extreme length. Just to cover the rest of the movie really fast, what ends up happening is they get in touch with the programmer. Yeah, he's just great, great the, line. The programmer says that this computer can learn from anyone. That's why it's going rogue. It learned from Josh, who disobeyed orders originally. It can learn even from Hitler. Yeah, he goes, it can learn from anything. It can learn from Hitler. <laughs> it can learn from anyone. How is it learning from Hitler? Hitler's been dead for like 60 years at this point. One of the worst line readings of all time, that, <laughs> that Hitler quote. Okay, it turns out that Josh is super Superior is trying to do some cleanup since this. Dude, what the hell plane is going on rogue? here? What is going on here? The we plane go- went rogue, so he's got to to keep himself from getting court-martialed. He's got to kill Josh. The this movie doesn't know what the hell it's doing. It doesn't no, know what it, it doesn't know what it wants so to be. Then it turns into nope. a traitor kind of movie. Yeah, it's like okay. On the one hand, it wants to be a killer fighter jet movie. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it wants to be Jessica Beale behind enemy lines. Mm-hmm. And on the third hand, it wants to be one of those movies. Movies where the system turns against the man, you know, he becomes the hunted. Yeah. Like one, one of those kind of plot lines. Yeah, like a Bourne movie or something yeah, like it's that. It's like, what are they doing? Did 800 people write this movie? I don't know. Then Josh becomes friends with the computer plan again. <laughs> <laughs> They're best buds. I feel like, oh God. Yeah. I, I really don't even know how that happened. He like talked to the plane and became friends with it. Like literally, that's what happened, right? Yeah. He's like, you can trust me. And he like, I think he fired 
fired off his last missile. Yeah. That's like a show of confidence or something. I don't know. I might have took a nap at that point. He gets into the hangar. There's... Oh, my God. He steals the stealth plane back, and he gets inside of it. Oh, who cares? The end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they team up, Josh and the supercomputer plane, and they go down and they rescue Jessica Biel from behind the North Korean lines. A North Korean helicopter shows up. It's about to take them out, and the plane realizes that the only way to save them is to sacrifice itself. So it crashes itself into the helicopter. Even though before, itself. the plane was adamant about saying, I'm a fighter jet. That's all I do. His only goal was self-preservation. I think he said that at one point. Yeah, I have to exist to fight or something like but that. But at the end, he wanted to save the day of his new friend. Yeah, he became friends. Just like uh, Lost in Space. I was just thinking that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what BS. All right. So that's it. That's stealth. The end. Let's find out what the real critics have to say about this movie. Harsh and tasteless, it doesn't even qualify as a popcorn movie. Popcorn, at least, has some taste to it and a certain airiness. Stephen Witte, Newark Star Ledger. Stealth is the filmic embodiment of all that is indulgent, gratuitous, and downright dumb in pop culture. Tom Long, Detroit News. And finally, stealth is an offense against taste, intelligence, and the noise pollution code. A dumbed-down top gun crossed with the HAL 9000 plot from 2001. Roger Eber, Chicago Sun-Times. Okay, guys, this movie currently holds a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. But is it really that bad? Absolutely. This movie is... This isn't a movie. I can't really discern a plot from it. The acting is horrible. The effects are ridiculous. I don't like anything about this movie. It gets a solid one out of five. <laughs> Avoid it at all costs. This movie's horrible. 13% is too high for this movie. This is definitely a one out of five. And I want to retroactively give Constantine a six out of five. <laughs> because this was so bad. I mean, this was, like you guys said, an hour and a half too long. Like a half hour is about all this movie got for me, for my attention span, and then I couldn't help myself. I, was, I pulled up my phone, I was playing Super Stickman Golf, <laughs> which isn't even really that good of a game, and it was way better than watching this stupid movie. It was terrible. This angers me. <laughs> yeah, yep, this is one of the worst movies we've watched the show. I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately. <laughs> this is one of the worst movies that we've had to sit through on this show. Easily, right? Yeah. It wasn't a movie, it was a very rapid slideshow with Incubus soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible movie. When we see movies like this with 13%, it always makes me think back to one missed call with a 0%. Mm-hmm. How unfair. That is unfair. That, that, is... Mo- that movie does not deserve to get a zero. When there's garbage like this in the world, wow. One missed call held my attention. It did, from beginning to end. This movie did not. I took a nap. I just didn't care. This is just a pointless, pointless movie. And they wondered, Hollywood wonders, oh, how we're losing money. Is it piracy? How could it be? How could we be, how could we have lost so much money in 2005? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because you make garbage like this. Yeah. Reap what you sow is what Martin whispered in my ear one time <laughs> when I was trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's read some listener mail. A zombie bunny writes in and says, Guys, you missed so many cool parts of Constantine. I mean, how to get into the club. What about Papa Midnight? You barely mentioned him. What about Constantine's priest friend who dies from poisoning? No offense, but you seem to put more into the bad movies than this one. And this movie was awesome. We did talk about it, but that got left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, what did we record? Like almost three hours? Yeah, that was a two hours and 45 minute recording session. And we had a... F- I, oh, man. We could have talked way longer, too. We could have talked about that movie for six hours. I had a great time talking mm-hmm. about that movie. And yeah, we mentioned Papa Midnight, how they got into the club. We we talked about that at length, and uh, a lot of it got cut. This happens a lot with when I edit the show. Like, we discuss stuff like that, like cool things in a movie or like core story elements. But I, I have to cut it because you have to look at it in the grand scheme of things, you know, in the aggregate. It just doesn't matter that we talked about Papa Midnight. So I had to cut it for time and for flow. Although he is inherently a really badass character. Yeah, he was great. Uh, Walter writes in and says... 
still listen to the Constantine episode. Love that movie. He might be my favorite cinema devil, but I also really love Viggo Mortensen in The Prophecy. Like Stormare, he wasn't credited and his appearance was a total surprise. Great stuff in case you haven't seen it. Love the show. Ryan the Movie Guy writes in and says, I have some questions for you. Kevin, there is an internet outcry that Warrior, Take Shelter, and Drive were snubbed for Best Picture nominees this year. Your thoughts? I saw all three of those. I liked Warrior a lot. Definitely not the kind of movie that gets Oscar nominations typically, but I definitely, if I was going to pick the top nine from last year, it would definitely be in that list. I didn't really care for Take Shelter all that much. It was okay. And um, Drive, I wasn't a big fan of when I saw it, but I think I need to see that movie again because when we went into that, I definitely had expectations and it was a different movie than I was expecting. Plus, we did not see it in the right venue. No, we did not. I really think I need to rewatch that movie and I, I, my guess is that my opinion might improve a little bit. Okay, Joel, will you concede that Audrey Tateau's performance in Amelie was great despite her being in her 20s? Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I loved Amelie. Martin? I will not concede that. Yeah, he hates Amelie. The only man alive that hates Amelie. Yeah, all right, I'll give it to you. I liked Audrey Tateau in that. So I guess I'll rephrase my stance on the issue. The question originally was, who are your favorite actresses? And my answer remains, all my favorite actresses are over 30. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to say that there aren't any that are good under You're ageist. Yeah, you do. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, Martin, what are your thoughts about Rooney Mara being universally reviled as an actress, both critically and by average moviegoers, until she got into Fincher's movies and played a highly popular literary character? Is it a case where people misjudged her until she was given the right role, or how hype plays a big part in people's opinions, or both? I think it's a combination of the two. I think that role was really fitted for her. I also think that people might not have recognized her or, I guess, expected a lot out of her until she was in a Fincher movie. I mean, people are notorious for that. Miles writes in, talking about Boondock Saints 2. Hey, just saw this little production with my father. Meh. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's the most emotional meh I've ever heard. (laughs) But I would certainly enjoy hearing you guys trash it. I decided to go back and listen to episode 16. I must say that the tone of the show seems to have gotten quite a bit more casual and less stilted as time has gone by. It's much better. Although for future reference, Kevin, they are called holsters, not gun holders. There are a bunch of things like that in the gun world, though, like referencing a box magazine as a clip or stripper clip that can cause gun guys to foam at the mouth. Kevin, do you apologize? I don't want to do anything that makes gun guys foam at the mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Incidentally, for a couple of graphic designers and an accountant, you guys sure do seem to get sick and injured an awful lot. Is there some dark, crazed part of your lives that you haven't told us about yet? Or is that just one of those consequences of living in New Jersey? <laughs> no, we're, I mean, I think we're all pretty open about being really active. We have like very varied lifestyles, although what we do for a living might not be the most physically engaging. I mean, we're all very physically active people. We do a lot of stuff outside. We're, we do a lot of sports. and We all exercise like every day, practically, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah I mean, I when mean, you do we, stuff like that, like you're going to get injured. And it's not like we're just exercising to exercise. We're exercising to compete or to, you know, do sports, athletics, stuff like like that, you're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. We push it to the limit. Yeah, I only work out to get fit for the podcast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> My podcasting muscles, because I'm really buff. <laughs> Nicole writes in and says, Hey guys, I've written in before, and after listening to the Constantine episode, I had to say how small a world it is. I have been listening to you guys since the beginning. I own the Gamer episode. I never really go on the iTunes store, but I guess around this time last year, I was by chance recommended to your podcast, and I love that you guys are hilarious. I am an architecture major at Syracuse University, and I love that you guys are designers. But what is really weird is that by chance, I happen to find one of the coolest podcasts, and the guys are from New Jersey, like me, specifically from New Egypt. And if you don't know where that is, it's five minutes down the road from Great Adventure. I have spent every summer in LBI in Shipbottom, specifically Third Street, where Shipbottom splits with Surf City. I can't believe that of all the podcasts I could have liked, it would be guys 
guys from New Jersey. I think New Jerseyans are drawn to each other, right? There's some sort of magnetic pole in the ether. We all like Kevin Smith movies. Yeah, there's, there's no <laughs> fighting that, I guess, right? Nope. We're all part of the Viewisco universe. Well, you know what it is? Like, <laughs> yeah, is that is it? Like, like once, once you go into the New Jersey territory, are you then a part of the Viewisco world? I think so. Well, those movies came out at just the right time. Like, we were all like the right age to be just... Definitely. Like, we were so impressionable. So he hit us with those and now, now we like him for life because of it. Yeah. I mean, I drove by I the, the quick stop a few months ago. I was like, oh my gosh, there it is. Look at it. There it is. Hey, we got another picture. <laughs> I just, every week. It's but this is different. This is, Great. A little, this is a little different. As promised, here's my t-shirt design. In hindsight, it's probably not what you're looking for, but I hope you get a kick out of it anyway. Okay, let me show you this picture. <laughs> Wow, it looks kind of like a turkey. That's wild. That's good. I think that's great. Yeah, you mean you're wearing that as a t-shirt? Yeah, I mean, you would need like... We would need permission from his yeah, agent. We, we, we would get sued We would get sued into times. oblivion. It's <laughs> a <laughs> so good... What is that, watercolor? It's awesome looking, though. Yeah, it's yeah, good. Sure. It's very it's very good. Head on over to yesthatbed.com to check out Joe's t-shirt design. It's really cool. Okay, so Steve writes in with some random questions. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much does it annoy you that Hollywood makes a hot actor into a nerd or ugly girl only to have some guy find her inner beauty if she takes off her glasses and puts her hair down she is crazy hot 10 I, I, that I, level I, 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 yeah I don't even have to think about it I hate that <laughs> She's all that. Zero. You love that. Love it. She's all that. Great example. All right, all right. And uh, can you think of any movies that the remake was better than the original? Mm. I'm going to say Vanilla Sky. Yeah, definitely. I prefer Let Me In over Let the Right One In. So do I. I bet the new Spider-Man is going to be better than the original. Hmm. Ooh, that's controversial. You think so? I think so. The second Hulk was better than the first one, and that's a fact. Yes, true. All right, well, there, there you go. The remade Batmans are far, far superior. True. It's not a movie movie, but I'll toss in Battlestar Galactica in there anyway, because I can't pass up a chance to mention that show on this thing. You're in the bag for that show. I am. And finally, Sean writes in and says, I liked how fast Joel decided to just shut down Martin's surf corner, but will <laughs> gladly fill the entire episode with shaving tips. <laughs> you the great work, guys. <laughs> yeah, man, I rule with an iron fist. <laughs> Yeah, you haven't given given any uh, shaving tips in a while. No one's written in. There's no more. It's done. Oh, really? That, it's out that's, there. That's all there is to shaving. Yeah, that's it. It's done. That sounds like a very simplistic hobby. And you've only talked about shaving your face. <laughs> Bridge out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's <laughs> more than just shaving your face. Tune in next week for the advanced tutorial. <laughs> all right. Thanks for those emails, guys. If you want to contact us, you can reach us at yeahitstatbad at gmail.com. Now it's time for the question of the week. As for this week's question, have have you ever been offended by a movie? Has something in a movie really offended you for one reason or another? Head on over to yesthatbad.com. Leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Now it's time to announce the movies for the next Listener's Choice poll. And the theme is sci-fi action movies starring women. And your choices are Eon Flux starring Charlize Theron versus Ultraviolet starring Mila Jovovich. Head on over to yesthatbad.com where you can vote in the poll between Eon Flux or Ultraviolet. Yeah, okay, yeah, just to put it into perspective, Eon Flux is a movie where grass kills people. It, try, it attempts. And Ultraviolet is a movie where Mila Jovovich's hair color keeps changing. And she, oh, she like stores weapons in like a bottomless pit of magic or something. And Cameron Bright's in it. Okay, as for next week's movie, we're going to watch George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg's big wave epic, The Perfect Storm. I'm surprised this is rotten, actually. Yeah, I was super surprised when you told me that. Do you feel guilty after getting blasted for the shaving corner and cutting down my, my surfing talk? So now we have to watch a wave movie? Yeah, are you going to surf the wave? Are you going yeah, to I'm, I'm, surfing? Yeah, I'm going to surf that giant, whatever, 700-foot wave that, that, <laughs> that's on the poster of this movie. Okay, so there you go. Head on over to yesatbad.com where you can vote in the poll between Eon Flux and Ultraviolet. And tune in next week when we will be watching The Perfect Storm. 
Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Those five-star reviews really do help out the show. Please help spread the word of the show to all your friends by clicking the like button on Facebook. And you can follow us on Twitter at Yeah It's Bad. You can follow Martin at Yeah It's Martin. You can follow Kevin at Yeah It's Kev. You can also listen to the show on your non-iPhone or Zoom devices via Stitcher at Stitcher.com. Once again, thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. Instead of the robot, Josh Lucas says, I'm going to do it. I'm the big He's man Italian now? I'm going to do it. <laughs> He's going to rescue the Princess Peach afterwards. Wow, you guys are wildly racist. <laughs> you're the one who said, I'm going to do it. It sounds like Mario. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> there is a record of it. We can play it back. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it.